Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org. And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. I'm going to start with a reading from professional musician and author, Stephen Makmanovich, and from his book that is called The Art of, Impro- the Art of Improvising as a Way of Life. The Art of Is, Improvising as a Way of Life. And he says, This is what it means to be human, to learn and assimilate the patterns of culture, community, and environment, both conscious and unconscious, and alter them as needed, make them ours, so that the voice spontaneously emerging out is our voice, interdependent with the human world in which we live. Thus, bring life into art and art into life. It means coming prepared, but not being attached to the preparation. Everything flows into the creative act in progress. Come prepared, but be willing to accept interruptions and invitations interruptions and invitations. Trust that the product of your preparation is not your plan, but yourself. So look at us approaching the spring equinox, the time when the sun crosses the celestial equator. Birds are returning to their summer playground and daffodils are gracing us with their bright yellow blooms. There's some right outside my window. And it's just been the most striking thing to me as I've been driving around lately, almost on a quest. Where are the daffodils? And there are so many thousands of them uh, sharing their happiness with us. And we're starting to feel a little hope. COVID restrictions are lessening. I've seen kids out playing at the parks, people eating outside in bigger numbers. And we're all turning toward that ardent sun of hope. But what will come next for us as we unfold like a daffodil out of a pandemic? Where will vitality and balance emerge in our lives? So to help us with that question, two Sundays ago, I talked about spiritual maturity what we need on a path for seeking life's deeper meanings. A commitment to more self-awareness about our thoughts and actions. Today, I'm gonna continue on that theme of deepening our spiritual and emotional resources and take our March theme right through, our March theme is commitment. And I thought I would just take it right through into a little preview of the April Pledge Drive.
As a fair amount of you know, but certainly not all of you, I spend time each month driving between Oregon and Washington. I often fill part of that time to listening to podcasts or audiobooks, and I'm searching. Sometimes I'm listening to them just for fun. And sometimes I'm actually searching for sermon ideas that I think are timely and helpful to our needs. And last month I discovered Stephen Nachmanovich and his book, The Art of Is. And when I first started listening, I thought I was just listening to, to someone who was practicing Zen Buddhism. And then I realized as he spoke more, he's a professional musician and an improvisationalist and has been for 40 years. And so he started as this professional musician and teacher, and then he added on this Buddhist piece later on. And his life experiences eventually led him to the insight that our lives at the bedrock, a spiritually mature and well-lived life is a commitment into living into and playing with impermanence imperfection and improvising. He states that by living in the interdependent patterns of improvising music, he learned to play and playing that they were not only the way of connecting with others, but of discovering connections that were already present in the world, but they were yet undiscovered to him. It was a way of moving through life with awakening and realizing these altruistic intentions in ourself undiscovered and also in others, perhaps unrecognized. So everything he learned by playing music at home and around the world is now a recipe for how to live his life. And music was not only a profession, it became this metaphor for everything going on inside him. So let's look a little bit about how improvising impermanence and especially imperfection can deepen the spiritual maturity I was talking about last time and allow us to stop beating ourselves up for our normal human mistakes, which cannot help but let us live better lives. And I am a strong believer that if we, as we become less critical of the self, we are less critical of others. So in Nachmanovich's book, he talks about having this new awareness about improvisation. And then he started on this lifelong exploration of Buddhist Dharma. Dharma, poorly translated, because I don't think we can do a good job of translating it into our Western ideas, but Dharma being what upholds the order of the universe. So our author invites himself into these Buddhist concepts of impermanence and imperfection. He came to see that making anything, a beautiful music piece or just a day in your life was not a matter of displaying skills Going to work or to your volunteer work is not a matter of skill. It is a matter of awakening and realizing altruistic intentions. For me, this feels like having it all. 
I, 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 I'm sort of greedy on having it all many times. And I thought, wait a minute, I get to increase self-awareness. I get to realize good intentions in myself and others. I can become more physically and emotionally available to others. But I get to do all of this imperfectly. That is the expectation is that I will do it imperfectly. So clearly I was already in love long before the podcast ended. So he says, bring your hopes, desires, and wounds. Just show up and practice improvisation, which can only be done if you're not clinging to an idea of how things should go in that moment or in that day. Bring your hopes and desires, bring your wounds, just show up and improvise which means practicing in that luminal space that's within us, between us, and all around us in the interconnected web. This morning, I especially want to talk about the imperfection part of the message. Imperfection. These are all the things we say to ourselves throughout the day. I should have done this. I could have done this. Why didn't I do it? Why did I do that the way I did? I'm so stupid. All those phrases tend to show up. So instead of recognizing those situations as something normal to our human experience and part of finding our way to whatever life goals we have for ourselves, instead we chastise ourselves and the more we chastise ourselves, the more we're going to be mean or judgmental of others. And can any person here say, any person in this audience say that you aren't your own worst critic? Do you not forgive yourself for things that other people don't even notice or barely notice or would forgive you in a second? So we are always our own worst critic. Nachmanovich says that just like music and dance, medicine, meditation, teaching school, these are part of a practice, not of an arrival. Rather doing and being what you are in that point of time, instead of about the goal. This reminded me of words from poet and songwriter Leonard Cohen. And these are words you've probably heard before. Leonard Cohen was inspired by some basic words from Rumi, who is a Sufi mystic and theologian. So Rumi's words are within Cohen's words. Forget your perfect offering. Ring the bell that still can ring. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. What Nachmanovich, Cohen, and Rumi are saying is try to be comfortable with imperfection and improvising. 
put aside your grandiose ideas that you can do things really well, because let's, that's the ego talking. And instead lean into trust and grace that you are enough just as you are. The gift is worthy. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to be good at what we do. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't feel personal pride when our skill, when we have worked on honing our skills and done something well, but it means to know that our gift is enough. I'm gonna use Nachmanovich's world of music to illustrate this concept. And so think about him um, in a workshop with students. Think about him maybe being at Juilliard as a guest being brought in to teach this improvisation. So he strongly believes that students need freedom to see that when they're not happy with a part of their performance, it's not a mistake. It's not that an error has occurred. Rather, he describes many times in this teaching workshops when students would improvise and he would hear, hear some beautifully organized, emotional, compelling piece of music. And then sometimes there would be other pieces where the musicians were just out of sync or there were pieces of it that weren't in tune because it's improvisation. So students would be incredibly hard on themselves and they would focus, 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 hyper-focus on that part that wasn't in sync. They would label it as a mistake and an error. And they would say to their teacher, why didn't you stop us when that got to be such a mess? And what Nachmanovich was starting to realize as he taught over and over again is that his students believed that when they made a mistake, it was because they were bad stupid, unworthy in some way. And they were conflating that a creative moment that was just slightly off, they were conflating that to mean ineptitude and believing that they weren't good enough. He taught his students to focus on the part of the playing that they enjoyed, what they loved, what filled them, what worked well. And by creating that atmosphere of affirmation and really an atmosphere of joy, that self-punishment and guilt didn't have as much room. So instead of self-punishment and guilt, the students were able to strengthen what was working well and engage in a creative process. No self-punishment was needed or required. And the response then is to free up more energy for more creativity, more altruism, and, and that love of the self that needs to come before the love of the other that increases our capacity. Another illustration in a less elevated place than playing music professionally came in my family of four. We came to practice imperfection, impermanence, and improvisation. We were just in a very normal situation of the aging matriarch and three adult children who perceived themselves as rather clueless at the time. <laughs> when my mom was in her 80s, she was living happily in her own home. 
and she was dating a man who didn't live in the home. He was 10 years younger than her. And they would go on these fun adventures and they would see each other three or four times a week. And they were living a really lovely life. But as he got older and started having some health situations and he felt like he couldn't no longer maintain his home, he moved into assisted living, into the, the lowest need group in assisted living and he gave up driving. And that changed my mother's entire life because there was no more of these going on adventures. So this is not an uncommon story. This is happening in houses, on our streets, all over. People making adjustments as life moves on. Like we all made adjustments when COVID came. But as my mother started showing some health issues of her own, my little concerns turned into a big pot of worry. So my two brothers and I and my mother we would talk, we would worry, we would stew. And what was really important is we would grieve. Things had changed and we needed to grieve together. Sometimes we were inexplicably angry and frustrated. And I would think, I, I can't get a handle on this. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to be in denial. That seems good. But as things with my mother became a little bit more even worrisome, but when she tried to physically get it, she got up on a chair to fix her kitchen cupboard. It was like that little latch up there was really bugging her and she was gonna jump on that chair and fix it instead of calling her son who works 10 minutes away. And then she broke her arm when she was pruning a tree. She was wrestling some pretty big limbs and um, took 10 weeks to heal that break. So can you hear the tension in this every day? This is an everyday story. Every family goes through this and it might not be an aging person. It might be something with our kids. And, but the point of the story is that this tension between independence but needing to make some sort of shift, some sort of accommodation needs to happen here. And that's the impermanence. It's not gonna be like it always was. She could no longer keep the life she had been, which is the grief. My siblings and I really had some <laughs> extremely unhelpful conversations with her. I cannot tell you unhelpful, how unhelpful, as we told her how she should be living her life. And no one wants to hear the word you should be. But my mother wanted her house just so. There's her perfectionism piece. And she wanted her yard just so. The thought of other people pruning her trees. Mm -mm. And she wanted her life just so. And I mean, really, we all want that. We want what we want when we want it. But it's not realistic. Life changes. Our needs are sometimes not in concert with the needs of people around us. My mother came to the call of improvisation. She hired yard help and, and she also got hooked up with an organization that helps lower income elderly with some modest home repairs. So she could still be in charge of everything that was going on in her yard and house. She wasn't having any children telling her what to do. 
So you would think after all of that, that my brothers and I could just relax and that my mother could just say, good, they're a little further out of my life. I love them, but I don't want them running my life. But what I came to realize that that was our relief was superficial and short-lived because the real issue was our perfectionism. We didn't really know how to be in a partnership. This was a partnership of four people and none of us really knew how to do it. We didn't really know how to care for each other. We didn't know how decision-making should go. There was no model for for that. Yes, and yes, I was reading books madly. But the answer finally came was for us to say aloud, what we're doing. We care, we're giving love, but we don't know what we're doing. And can we just give ourselves permission to make mistakes? Can we just say, I'm gonna give this a try and we'll need to make adjustments as we go. So for our little story, which is different than your story, my oldest brother took track of took track of what needed doing around the house. My other brother, who worked 10 minutes away, kind of handled those everyday things like groceries, or I need batteries for my medical alert. And I took care of banking, helping her do her own banking and medical appointments and other services. And not to mention, I coordinated a fair amount of Scrabble games before COVID struck. So instead of seeing our mistakes as mistakes, we started seeing them as trial and error. We had this ability to learn and do better the next time. And as the months went on, the four of us began even laughing at some of our Homer Simpson moments, right? Instead of hiding them, we just had them openly and tried to laugh about them. By admitting our limitations and our imperfections up front, they were seen as the norm. By admitting limitations, and this is whatever your situation is, by admitting limitations and our imperfections up front, then they can be seen as a norm. And once normalized, we don't have to fear them, we don't have to become immobilized with them. We don't have to hide from them and be in denial. And we especially do not need to descend into shame that we couldn't work it out on our first try and we couldn't do it perfectly. This frees up so much energy to do other things like love and like to commit ourselves. And when all else fails, there's always just forgiveness. Nachmanovich is a teacher. And so he uses music as a medium to bring you that very same message that I used from a family story. He says, improvising is trial and error smoothly flowing. For that to work, error has to be free from clenching or regret so that our learning process can swing easily from one step to the next. The more we accept mistakes as part of the natural flow of our activity, the more we will be able to incorporate them, use them to build stronger and more interesting structures. In music, the bad note 
can be deliberately repeated and now it bridges to something new. We build a whole new modulation around it. Our partners in the music can pick it up and toss it around for some freshly expanded ideas. So my question is, how can we start doing this in our work at UUFM? Actually, it's already happening. I want you to know that in general, I will not talk about committee meetings during the sermon. <laughs> that it would not be my style. But I recently just looked at what is going on with our social justice committee. I'm also looking at that we're starting a pledge drive in less than two weeks. We are trying to reshape the social justice committee. We recognize the impermanence. What had gone on before is not able to work during COVID. So we're gonna to have to improvise. And was it possible that people weren't stepping up because they were afraid that projects were gonna to be too big, which is a real consideration if you are a busy person, if you are a parent, if you are someone who is working a job that demands a lot of you, you have to measure what you can bring into your life. So we switched and had the aha moment. For now, let's do less projects, let's keep them local, and let's reevaluate once COVID restrictions start to lift and we can be in larger groups. Let's see this as a success instead of a failure. And our pledge drive, I think, has some of those same flavors to it. I'm not gonna say it's a challenge. I'm gonna say it's an opportunity. As we begin to think about what we can pledge monetarily to UUFM for our next, next fiscal year, we are being asked to improvise and respond to impermanence. It's a new fiscal year with a new minister and we are emerging from COVID. How could anything be the same? This is our time for co-creating and demonstrating attentiveness, not only to what we need as individuals from the church, but from what UUFM needs as a whole. A proposed budget is a spontaneous conversation about who we are and what is possible. It's an opportunity for magic and even, I'm gonna say it, bliss, <laughs> we enter in with an open heart. The bliss is to be able to affirm all we want to do in the world and for each other. A budget is about our values and about our commitment to uphold ourselves and others. And it's the awakening and the realizing of these altruistic intentions that Nachmanovich is describing recognizing that those connections will arise before us. So I'm thinking large for UU Fellowship of McMinnville as we emerge from this dark time of COVID, see the daffodils and imagine a new world. Blessed be.